everybody, and welcome back to the Cinefessions podcast. This is episode 19. I'm Brandon Chowen, and we have Chris Ranson and Ash Collins. Gentlemen, I would love to say that I've missed talking to you, but we spent 45 fucking minutes bullshitting before we started recording, so I don't miss you anymore, but... Either way, <laughs> thanks, whatever. thanks. Appreciate it. Whatever. Either way, it's, it's glad, I'm glad to be back. How, are, how, how was your week, week off? Mine was pretty crappy. I ended up going to the doctor's office to have an abscess cut open. By the way, I, I know what it feels like to actually have a scalpel taken to your flesh without any painkillers. So, yeah. That's gross. Yeah, I know. That's all pictures. Yeah. yeah. Not a pretty sight. It looks like I have a mouth coming out of my neck now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so fucked up. Oh, I wanted to see God. the video of it, like just like pouring out, like you see oh, on YouTube. Like, well, my favorite YouTube apparently, videos. like the when because my wife was watching because I can't see it obviously, but because you know, it was on the side of my neck, back of my neck, rather. And uh, she's like, "Yeah, every time the doctor squeezes, just more of this crap oozed out of it." It's like, oh, thanks. Did it smell awful? Oh, I'm gonna <laughs> fucking vomit. <laughs> <laughs> God, we're making Brandon because, because I've had one, and I won't mention where, but I had one. It was like an ingrown hair in a place that I wouldn't notice it because mm-hmm. I don't go there, and it smelled awful. The stuff that came out, I didn't God. smell it. Um, Diana could smell it. Wow. She says it's bad. So, but yeah, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. so gross. Yeah, it was. It's you know, yeah. So right now they've got it like basically stuffed with what she called a wick to <laughs> all the crap out of it. Okay. Wow. This is like my that's the only thing I look up on YouTube besides smart mean jerk faces videos. <laughs> you look up fucking oozing wounds? It's not really an oozing wound. It's like an infected blackhead and stuff like that. They're yeah, fascinating. It, yeah, They're before, before it popped, it looked like I had a string of like four pimples all in a row in that one spot, but they were just, it was huge. Wow. And then when you squeeze it, it looked like a giant, like white worm coming out. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, it took up, it was like sticking out almost like an inch away from my neck. It was pretty gross. Anyway. Yeah. So that was my my week off. Yeah. Aside from (laughs) growing mouths out your neck, did you watch anything or, uh, we've been crashing on Dr. Who actually. Oh, okay. I made, Diana mad because we had to stop with two episodes left leading into the finale. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but she said you suck. <laughs> I come do the podcast, so. <laughs> oh, man. My apologies. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, what about you, Chris? What'd you do last week? Um, I really don't remember. I ended up... um ordering Metal Gear Solid 5 the collector's edition because it finally came in stock for PlayStation 4 and I was like I don't want it you know it's a hundred dollars but then uh someone gave me their gamers club discount so it was only 80 and I'm like I really want that steel book but I don't want the arm and just for anyone who's looking to get this collector's edition the arm has movable fingers and it's actually able to grasp your penis so if you can't afford a flashlight you can use this and you get a game. I'm just saying, I didn't like go to full effect with it. Oh my god! I totally do it. Just saying. Hey, you know, news you can live by. Oh but, um, shit! The, well, the game itself is really cool. 
It starts off like <laughs> batshit crazy. Um, the game itself is really cool, but the flashlight that comes with it. Is- <laughs> exactly. I'm sure it's not quite like a flashlight. I've never used one, but um, cause I've never had anything to. But um, no, it, you know, if you don't want to use your hand and you're lonely and desperate, Snake you can, can just, give you a hand job. You can pull out this half replica of Snake's robotic arm and let it grasp your male genitalia. <laughs> that is so fucking weird. <laughs> but, um. Wow. Oh, I did while while we were on vacation or whatever it's called that we just did. Um, <laughs> I got the Inside Out, which is not a joke with everything else. The Inside Out playset for Disney Infinity 3.0. Okay. And shocker, it was actually pretty decent. It rotate or it, it alternates between a, a 3D world and, and a 2D stage. And the 2D stages kind of play like the newer Rayman games, and it was fun. But it kind of like it's only three hours long, but it felt so much longer and it just kind of dragged on yeah like, there just wasn't enough variation it just felt like the same thing over and over for three hours hmm. and i just picked up well i just got one whatever it is uh destiny 2.0 or the taking king or whatever and i've been i may or may not be playing it right now um <laughs> that clicking <laughs> it, here that's not possibly that is it <laughs> maybe <laughs> damn playstation controllers but um <laughs> no it's fun it seems to have a little bit more story than the original game yes and the multiplayer still kind of sucks but hmm. i'm kind of addicted to it which i wasn't with the first game so that says something there's a plus and i think i went to the movies and, oh i saw the visit which the review went live yes it did this morning it was excellent a three and a half star review for an M Night Shyamalan film. I love it. Fucking love I it. I know. Like, I mean, his last few have been kind of crappy, or you know, mediocre. Mm-hmm. But this one's kind of like back to form, and you know, he reading interviews with him, he said, you know, he was able to have control over the film, something yeah. he hasn't been able to do in like a number of films. So. And you wouldn't think it, but it's it's essentially like a comedy horror film because you you get two. So the brother and the sister both have a camera. Mm-hmm. She's filming this like she's trying to reconnect her family after the father left, and her mother is estranged from her own parents. So she this girl doesn't know her grandparents, and she, you know they just reconnected, and she decided that she wants to kind of get the family back together, no regrets, that kind of thing. So she's doing this like documentary. And so the brother is like this wisecracking white boy who likes to rap. And like his stick is that he can rap anything with anything. So like the grandmother asks him to rap about like blueberry muffins or something ridiculous. <laughs> and he always ends like his raps with like, ho. <laughs> it's like, blah, 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 blah. And I love my blueberry muffins. Ho. <laughs> It's it's actually hysterical. Like it actually works. Yeah, like, I know me saying it doesn't seem as funny, but it's funny, and I think audiences really enjoyed it because ours was like hooting and hollering, and then the third act happens. I don't want to ruin what happens in the third act because mm-hmm. it's an M Night Shyamalan film. You can kind of guess something's something's wrong, and mm-hmm. it's fucked up, and something happens, and people were just like, "Fuck no, fuck no, fuck no." Yeah. And then, I mean, it's just, it, it's really gross. Um, I know Brad Henderson, 
went to a screening and someone puked in his screening from the scene. What? Um, and you wouldn't expect that in a PG-13 right. comedy horror film from M. Night Shyamalan. But Man, I'll leave that part out like, when I try to get my wife to go see it with me. <laughs> uh, you probably won't like it if you thought Ash's abscess was gross. I mean, that that I don't like that stuff, but what's in a movie, I don't care. Oh no, it's it's pretty nasty. <laughs> <laughs> and it, and it's not like blood. It's just Yeah. Maybe something a little more personable. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see no spoilers here, folks. Yeah. Yeah, I won't spoil it. <laughs> but you know. Cool. I, I'm excited because I'm going to go see Scorch Trials tomorrow, and then next week is Green Inferno, which I've been informed I have to go see by myself because Jeff does not want to see people get eaten. Oh, I want to see that so badly. Another one I won't be able to see until it comes on home video because Bridget won't go see it with me. Well, Brad Henderson saw it, apparently, and hated it. Apparently, it's part of the Dude Bro horror film. Yeah, thing. I remember him saying I, that. I don't know what that is because I didn't really get that vibe from Aftershock, but yeah, of course I was distracted by the hot Hispanic guy in that. So. <laughs> and I may or may not have all this film still in my Netflix queue for the past year. I remember you talking about that last year. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. They're still sitting there because I just I start it and I'm like, I have to like read and pay attention, mm-hmm. and that just doesn't work. <laughs> um, I don't think I really did anything else. I finished my. Uh, Dorothy Must Die book, and I started reading The Martian. Oh, did you? How is yeah, that going? I, uh, I'm only like eight pages in. Oh, okay. But, uh, I mean, the trailer ruins everything, I'm sure, because, I mean, everyone else says that, so we'll see. But I wanted to read it before I saw the movie, because then once I see the movie, I'm like, I really don't want to read the book. Mm-hmm. I'd rather, you know, do something new. Yeah. But. I seen have seen the trailer since we talked last, but that's because it was on like all last week when we were on vacation on TV. And uh, do you, do you feel it gives a lot away? I don't know. I didn't feel like it gave too much away. But mind, I tried to avoid it. Like I wasn't trying to pay close yeah. attention to it. I was like looking away and you know just trying to avoid it as much as possible. But the bit I I saw, I didn't feel like oh movie's ruined. You know what I mean? But we'll we'll see. I don't know. I'm inter- I'm definitely excited to see that one. And Scorch Trials. That one, I will be able to go with. To, I have uh, a friend who saw it in the UK, but I haven't heard like his thoughts on it at all. Oh, okay. I just oh, yeah. I love the first one about a thousand times more than I expected to like it. I fucking loved it, and I thought it was just going to be shit. It's so different than the book, which has yeah. me interested to see what they do with this because. Yeah, big plot points aren't there anymore, hmm. so it's just kind of weird. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think that's it. Cool. I got drunk Sunday. That was fun. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, People I don't remember some of it, so <laughs> I remember it all, and I didn't throw up. So holla. What? What? But I mixed all kinds of drinks. Like I started with like a I had like a pumpkin ale, and oh. I had like a giant martini. Oh, and I had like two blue moons, <laughs> and I had two cosmos, and then I had another martini, and then I had a big Bud Light. That's insane. Like, I don't drink often at all. I would have been on the floor through half that. No fun. No yeah. fun at all. 
We had like the Meatzilla pizza at like my favorite pizza place, and that was a highlight because it was so good. So yeah. much meat. I love meat. <laughs> <laughs> but like they, they they offer like ground beef, and we're like, can you not put ground beef on it and just put extra sausage? Because that's even better. So that's what they do. That's good. Yeah, I think. It's oh, sounds- and I watched some Wes Craven films. That's, that's how I be. That's what I do. I watched Deadly Blessing. Which was surprisingly better than I anticipated. Oh, good. And then I watched Swamp Thing, which I fucking hated. Yeah, yeah so, I remember you told me that. Fit, well, Swamp Thing took me three days to watch. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the original is really rough. I mean, there, there's a couple cool scenes. You can read my letter of boxed review. I posted a review. Because mm-hmm. I'm trying to... My goal is to see all of Wes Craven's theatrical releases that I haven't seen in their order of release. Yeah. So next I have Invitation to Hell. Okay. And I think it's Shocker. You bought Invitation to Hell, right? Correct. Okay. And then after Shocker, I just think I have that weird French movie where he has a short in it. I don't even think it's a French movie. Oh, I know you're talking. Yeah. Yeah. I owned that for a while and never watched it. It's not it. it's not a horror thing at all. It's like a comedy romance type film. Yeah. So it it's the last one I haven't seen. Did you see his non horror? The one like the his his full feature length non horror film? I don't even know what it's called. Oh, Music of the Heart. Or yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Okay. I saw that back in the day. Gotcha. Back when it came out like fifteen years ago or something. Mm-hmm. But then I figure after that I'll do the um his porno yeah that he directed he didn't star in it right, right. just so everyone's clear <laughs> and then do do like the directed TV stuff okay so very good yeah that's it I'm done speaking <laughs> <laughs> yeah I didn't. Uh... I was on vacation last week, which is why we didn't record, and which is why there wasn't an episode last weekend. Um, and we ended up, you know, being out and about, obviously, most of the time. So I didn't watch much of anything. I didn't read anything, nothing like that. Uh, since I've been back, I have just been uh, trying to get video game shit to download. I finally got the Madden patch. My NHL patch should be done now. It was finally finishing up. I picked up NHL 16. I'm excited to play it, but I've been waiting for the patch, and so I haven't actually played it yet. I beat Ashes, Buffalo Bills, and Super Bowl 50 pretty mm-hmm. damn handedly. I was pretty happy about myself. And, uh, yeah, so now the Carolina Panthers are no more. They are now the Los Angeles something. I don't remember which team name I chose. but So I moved from uh, Carolina to Los Angeles as, as Super Bowl champs. So uh, go me. But, yeah, and that's about it i've just been compiling like i've been trying to think of cinefessions ideas things that we can do and uh, i've been compiling some lists because i'm just getting excited that the halloween season is approaching quickly and so speaking of that um we always have things that we want to watch now we can't we, we just don't have it in us to do 31 in 31 like like chuck does smarmy jerk face on twitter uh, and so, you know, basically what I just asked was, what movies are you planning on watching during this Halloween season? Um, personally, my list started off as 10, 
and then it went to 15 and then 16 and then I didn't like the way that looked on Letterboxd and so I just added four more so now my list is at 20 if I get through half of them I'll be shocked <laughs> but uh, Chris I know you said you had five and they were all theatrical releases and then Ash you had some so I just kind of want to talk about what do you Chris what are you planning on watching this Halloween season well I only have one, like, staple that I need to watch in October. Mm-hmm. Like, most people are like, oh, I need to watch Halloween. And I'm like, eh, it creeps me out a little too much. I don't need that. <laughs> so um, I like to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, that's my one go-to for the month. Like, if I'm going to watch it once a year, it's going to be in October. Yeah. And I do watch it, like, once a year. So I try to I just wish... save it till then. I wish um, they still had uh, the live show on in our area. That was oh, apparently we have it here. We have a friend that wants to like drag us to it, <laughs> and um, and then just everything because I I watch horror films all the time, so like I, I could watch you know everything tomorrow, and then I'd have nothing, and I never know what's coming out. Like I feel so out of the loop because I stopped following stuff like Bloody Disgusting and all that because they just keep re- if you post something on Twitter you don't need to repost it four times in a day in case I missed it because I'm going to fucking read it the first time. I don't need to see it four more times in my feed. Like it just, it, it got to the point where I'm like, I just don't care. Like I'd rather not know mm-hmm. what's coming out than have to hear bloody disgusting retweet itself four times. <laughs> but, um, I mean the normal direct video stuff, I'm sure something will pop up some sequel to something, maybe wrong turn seven, but I don't think they have one this year. Oh, okay. Um, but theatrical wise, um, it's a, it's going to be a double day for me because we have Crimson Peak and Goosebumps opening on the same day. So those are my first two films. I think they okay. open the second week of October. So I can't wait for Crimson Peak because it has that cool, like Victorian horror feel to it. Oh, it's okay. Where Elmo del Toro. So how can you go wrong? And then Goosebumps is, you know. I have my own issues with it, but it, it's still, I think it's a fun idea. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like that they're doing it kind of the way they're doing it. Cause it kind of makes sense. And it's kind of cool being able to like show all the characters without having to, you know, really go into it or have anything specific for a book. Um, is crimson P- what crimson peak. Yes. Is that directed by del Toro? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. I've not seen a trailer for that. What? Nope. It, it shows. I actually lot. haven't seen a trailer for it either. Uh, it shows a lot, but I don't know if it's a lot. Like it's one of right. those weird trailers. Um, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the Woman in Black, Ugh. a little, but good. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like lots of blood, creepy yeah, ghosts. Black though. Oh, I fucking hated that movie. It was good until the end. I don't know why they felt the yeah. need to like do Hollywood whatever they eyes did. It. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't remember what else there is. I th- um I know Paranormal Activity: The Ghost Dimension is coming out mm-hmm. in October, so that's on my list. And there was something else, and I already forgot what it is. So clearly, it wasn't that important. <laughs> and I know Rings was supposed to come out, but like, there's no trailer for it. Hmm. So yeah, I forgot all about that. Weird. Like, apparently, it's been filmed. Mm-hmm. But it's in some weird limbo place. Hmm. Interesting. There's some other sequel that's hitting theaters in October. 
You know, if I open my computer, it's sitting right there. I can tell you one second. <laughs> yeah, on like, my list. I had it... Oh, um, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. Oh, okay. On October 30th. And it, it just looks hysterical. And the fact that the one red band trailer I saw in the theater, I don't know what we were seeing, but it was in 3D. Mm-hmm. It was basically like zombie titties. Like this zombie, <laughs> this topless nice. zombie girl runs into a fence and her boobs are like pressed there and they're like in your face. And he's like, titties. And it was just funny. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's the two year old in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Ash? What do you what do you think about watching this Halloween? Um, well, I usually watch like a couple different ones, but I'm thinking about delving into some of the '70s horror movies I haven't seen. Okay, so. cool. Uh, well, and some I have seen because mm-hmm. you know if you're gonna do '70s horror, you have to include The Exorcist and Jaws, which I've seen both multiple times. But right. and then there's the other ones that I haven't, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Last House on the Left, et cetera, et cetera. So. That's I'm, I'm jealous because those are two I love I love both of those movies and I am excited to hear your thoughts on on both. Have you seen the remakes of both? No, I well I've seen the remakes of Texas Chainsaw and the and the prequel to the remake. Um, and I like those. Uh, so I don't know. And I've seen most of Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. And uh, and the new generation film is kind of awful. Um, but it's, but I had never actually sat down and watch the first movie so you're in for a treat yeah the i love both of the remakes as well i think i might like texas chainsaw master they're kind of equal to me i know chris you like the remake better than the original on that yeah but i think i like the last house on the left remake more than i like the original last off on the left hmm. what, do you disagree do you agree i don't know i think i like the original last house on the left Okay, so we're kind of flipped. But, yeah, but with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I just love the way the remake is shot. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's gorgeously shot. It is. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. It I mean, is. And you don't have the mentally handicapped brother who is just so obnoxious in the original. I know. <laughs> you always. Yeah, I remember you. You always bitch about that. Either <sighs> it was you always bitching about it, or, or it's another podcast I listened to like a year or two ago was bitching about the, <sighs> the brother. Yeah, it's just terrible. <laughs> it just brings me back to like the Babadook. Like somebody on Facebook was like, "I just watched Babadook and it was amazing." What did you guys think? And seventy-five percent of the people said they couldn't stand it because the kid actor was just so annoying. I had zero problem with the actor in Babadook. I loved Babadook. See, I loved it too. And I had no problem with the kid. No, I think that kid is like, you know, the the factor of if you're gonna like it or hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If you can't stand the kid guy because they spend so much time with him, so if you don't like the kid, you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was going you through want my... kids and you have kids, so I mean, <laughs> I'm like, oh god. Um, I was going through my series review of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which you can find on the site, and I did rank Texas Chainsaw Massacre three and a half and the 2003 remake at three and a half. Chris, uh, Ash, have you ever seen Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre three? No, actually, I haven't. Okay, that one you should see because that's probably like my favorite of the uh, four like original sequels. I've okay. never seen any of the sequels. Really? Yeah. The second and one I... is kind of hit and miss. It goes for like a more big budget feel and adds in a lot of com- comedic aspects, which 
I liked it a lot better when I viewed it for the, you know, because the first time I watched it, I hated it, but then I watched it again after that, and I, I liked it. Um, but my favorite has to be the third one. The fourth one is just shit. The new, the next generation. I hate that movie. Doesn't have like Renee Zellweger and, and Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey, yeah. yeah. God. I forgot Renee Zellweger was in it. Yeah. Oh my god. It's <laughs> it was so fucked up. Yeah. I remember watching it on like one of the paid cable channels I was getting at the time and I'm like, What is this shit? And then I realized <laughs> it was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie when I looked it up, I'm like, I'm never watching these ever again. <laughs> the VHS cover had like lipstick on the cover. Like it was like a tube of lipstick and then like a chainsaw or something weird. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Apparently there is a version in like the Canadian release that's actually a different cut of the film it's supposed to be better but it's it's very difficult to actually get your hands on it from what i hear that's so um, weird so we need to hit up mark and see if he has it and can hook us up yeah that's a good idea very good idea he's going to fright fest i'm jealous oh my god i know i saw his tweet with like his plans for fright fest motherfucker's <laughs> gonna watch like more movies in that week than i've watched the entire year I'm like, I can't even read what he wrote. I'm like, no. I can't decipher this right. planogram. <laughs> I know. As I'm long like, as he can. I'm sure, that's all that matters to him. Yeah, because he was going to have me pick up the uh, Mondo Scarf for him because Mondo wanted to charge him $70 just to ship. Yeah. 70 Canadian dollars to ship two scarfs to Nuts. him. Did you end up I'm like, buying them or no? Uh, he said to hold off because he's going to see if he can get them at Fright Fest because oh, it okay. has a christmas theme to it so he's hoping he can get them oh, there that's cool but like it i mean they'll charge me like ten dollars each to ship them because it's mondo but for me to send them to him if it even costs me 20 i mean mm -hmm. 40 is cheaper than 70 for him right did yeah, you end up buying any yet are they on sale yet i believe it's a pre-order thing and i'm okay. definitely getting the house or the friday the 13th scarf I know. I really awesome. want both scarves. Like I wear scarves, and I want to wear those around. I really like them, but forty-five bucks is just mm. too much. But I really want that sweatshirt. <laughs> the I'm, I'm hoping 13th? Santa Claus like surprise orders it for me. Yeah, that would so be I, awesome with Santa. We've, we, yes, me and Santa have had some talks, and Santa feels I'll only wear it once. <laughs> and and I'm like, well, maybe. Uh, but the thing is, you can't really. I'm assuming you can't really wash it. That'd be my guess, yeah. Because it's you know has glow in the dark, so it would kind of lose right. its glow in the darkness. But I mean, you could wear it like twice a year. That's good enough. Yeah, I tell Santa to stop being an asshole. <laughs> Santa needs another job. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no. Um, but I mean, it's eighty-five for the sweater. Right, which is but, but I really <laughs> like the me. sweater. <laughs> Oh man! I mean, I paid thirty-five plus like ten dollars shipping for that Gremlin shirt, and my fat ass still can't fit quite into it. <laughs> showing off my man titties, they're, they're a little prominent in it. <laughs> you know, another five pounds, it, it'll be fine. Right. What size is it? Large. Oh wow! Letters. I know. Like I have a large, a large shirt on now, and I feel like God. I'm wearing it as a dress. It's, it's <laughs> one of those fitted shirts. I fucking hate that. It's like, like, I hate when I pull up, like, I'm looking at a shirt and I'm looking for, like, a double X and it says fitted. I'm like, who, who the fuck is wearing a, like, why, if I'm wearing double X, which I do, why the fuck would I want a fitted shirt? I just, 
that blows my mind. It's like, no, I'm a big guy. Like, I want room. Don't make me a fitted fucking shirt. You see my man boobs? Like, it's ridiculous. No, no oh, guys my favorite everywhere. Um, yeah, oh, my favorite are the the uh, the large shirts or the extra large shirts that are like they just assume that you're just fat and not tall. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> so they like. They come down to your like belly button and yep. then stop. It's just like, yeah, no, that's not gonna work for me. I hate that. I hate that more than like it wrapping around my gut too much. You know what I mean? I hate that. Absolutely agree. Well, thank God we're not women because the other day <laughs> I had to put a, put women's clothing out on the shelves, mm-hmm. like jeans. I'm like, how hard could this be? Well, apparently they have jeans. They have jeggings, which are jean leggings. Yeah, yeah. But their sizes range from like, and I don't know which is smaller. They have double zero and regular zero. Yeah. And they have like zero A and zero B. And then they go into like numbers. <laughs> I'm like, how the fuck do you know what you wear? Like, it, I'm like, I don't even know how to organize this, let alone wear it. <laughs> That's pretty standard. I'm used to that from buying like clothes for Bridget or, you know, looking, shopping with Bridget and stuff. That's terrible. But that just seems absurd. Why can't you just have numbers? Right, exactly. Like, like your waist is it should, 36, so inches you should be amount. a chick in a 36 waist. Exactly, that's how it You should so. be a 14. That doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah, universally it should be that, but it's not. Yeah. It's dumb. And then I had to suffer through Access Hollywood tonight, and they had some <laughs> some gay black guy. I don't know who he was, but he was <laughs> interviewing the girl. Because he wasn't blushing over... This half-naked girl showing off her bra. Okay. I'm just gonna say it. He, he's a little flamboyant. I'm gonna say yeah. he's gay. I don't know. I don't know who he was. Whoever <laughs> he is on Access Highwood. No idea. But it was like this plus-size model. She's like, I'm a size 14. Mm-hmm. She had, you know, maybe more power to her for wearing her panties and bra, <laughs> and her rolls eating said panty and bras, and the panties being see-through and. Me wanting to vomit the queso dip I just ate. I was like, oh, why? Oh, that's awesome. You know, I mean, more power to you, but, you know, it's... When I go to the beach, I don't want to see Jabba the Hutt wearing Princess Leia's outfit. It's it's not pretty. Oh, man. So there, I, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that I'm self-conscious with what I wear. I don't wear things. Me too. Yeah. You know what? You know, I, I'm proud that you're proud to be a little on the heavier side and mm-hmm. willing to wear n- nothing, but <laughs> I don't need to see it when I turn on the TV. Oh, man. <sighs> I see it at work, though. <laughs> oh. so, some girl was bending down, and she's not huge. I mean, she's, yeah. you know, she's, thir- she's a sturdy girl, mm-hmm. but she's bent down. And I thought I was looking at her underwear. And it wasn't. It was just her flesh going all the way down. And I'm like, oh, that's not underwear. Now I feel really gross. I feel even grosser now. Oh, God. Oh, God. Like, I don't, you're in a physically active job. Mm -hmm. How can you wear skin tight clothing where you have to squat a lot? Like that shit's gonna like just squeeze out. It's like a gogurt. If you squeeze it, it's gonna come out the top. <laughs> oh wow, we got off on something there. Anyways, 
a little off topic. I don't know what we're talking about. Um, way, way the fucking topic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I admit I kind of tuned out. Most of that. Oh man. So I plan on watching a good number of films this Halloween mm-hmm. season, um, but I'll be starting this week because I, while I was on vacation, I updated my letterbox lists, uh, my diary was what they call it. I know, I saw. Yeah, and I have not watched virtually anything like the past two months because Bridget got me obsessed with fucking Prelo Liars, and then we were watching Scream TV series, and so like I just haven't been watching any um movies it's been all tv shit so that's one thing i hate about getting stuck in a tv series it just takes so damn much of your time and so i'm planning on starting this week watching some of these films and and reviewing some of these so i'll just i mean you can see my full list on letterboxd um but a lot of them are just movies that i've owned either i purchased them recently or a while ago and i haven't seen them and then there are some other ones that I just want to rewatch, like New Nightmares on there. Because was after Wes Craven's passed, everyone's talking about New Nightmare, and I haven't seen it in a while. I actually watched through the entire Nightmare on Elm Street maybe two years ago or last year, and I, I stopped right before New Nightmare, and I never finished it. I've seen New Nightmare, and I've seen all of them, but I just I want to. Uh, I haven't seen it in probably three or four years, and so I want to go back and watch it. And Halloween Two is another one. I rented from Netflix the day it came out on Blu-ray, watched it, was disappointed, and haven't watched it since. But everyone, well, everyone, nobody actually except Chris and Ash, like, yeah, likes the movie. And so I want to give it another chance because I feel like it might be something that I could possibly enjoy in a second viewing. And it has Danielle Harris running naked through on one of the scenes. And so that's damn good enough for me to watch it again. Um, I have a couple of my or one of my Criterion releases that I haven't watched, Don't Look Now, that I'm really excited to watch, and then a couple from um, Vinegar Syndrome, uh, some from Arrow, Spider-Baby, Society, um, and then The Strangers, which I haven't seen. I didn't watch last year. I mean, I've seen The Strangers probably four or five times, but I didn't see it last year at Halloween time, so I need to make up for it this year. Uh, like Chris, I want to watch Shocker, another Wes Craven film I haven't seen, and The People Under the Stairs I haven't seen. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. The, uh, I know, go, go in expecting camp. camp yeah, horror. that's what that's, I am. That's what I'm expecting. I know you, you, you two aren't huge fans of it, but uh, the Scream cast really enjoyed uh, it a lot. So, Well, I, I don't mind camp horror, but mm-hmm. the first time I ever saw people under the stairs, they build it as this, we're going to scare the shit out of you horror film. And yeah. it's that's not it. Mm-hmm. It's just not even close. Yeah. So, and there's... That's a good number of the ones, I guess, that are worth talking about. But I, I have a link to my list on the show notes. And if you two want to, if you have a letterbox list also, I can definitely, you know, link to that as well. But Chris, I don't know if yours will be able to do because they're not out yet. So we'll see if they're on there. But Oh, they're on there. Oh, okay. Cool. I don't well, have any have, idea. They have stuff that's never even existed or been released on okay. Letterboxd. Cool. They're all on my watch list, which is crazy long. I've been adding to my watch list the past few days. I know. I saw it okay. filled my feed. Good. I guess I don't have to tell Chris anything. I love it. <laughs> I'm sure whoever, whoever follows me gets like bombarded with my like, oh, I need to add every single movie that's released this year that I haven't seen. <laughs> and it's just like 40 I, films. I didn't even know like you could see that shit. Like I don't see your stuff ever. I mean, do I have to specifically go to see, your... Basically, if it has an... Well, yeah, if you're the activity feed. 
But yeah, basically anything on Letterboxd, if it has a an IMDb page and um, the other site, the other TMDB, movie site. The movie yeah. If, if it has a listing on either of those two sites, you can throw it on there. Yeah. Excuse me, I hit a button. Okay. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I won't go through every one of them, but that's that's a good number of them. And so, if basically, if you want to if you want to see a preview of some reviews that'll be hitting Cinefessions during the month of October, because we're going to start watching them now, but and start reviewing some now, whatever we want to, and uh, you'll start seeing some of those in October. So, you know, the goal is to probably get about fifteen reviews in the month of October. I think that would be a pretty successful month, and uh, we'll go from there. So, yeah, that's that's what we've been doing during our our week off. Any other notes at all, gentlemen? I lost like 12 pounds total. Oh, nice. Congrats. Got to whatever it was for my DC trip. <laughs> I'm finally not sick, so holla. I did Good. have a rash the other day, but that went away. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that right. Was... We have a giveaway winner to announce. So we oh, had yeah. uh, a number of entries this week, which was exciting. The most entries since we started doing the giveaway. So that was that was awesome. So thank you guys for listening and thank you for participating. That's really appreciated. So we put all the uh, correct entries into random.org and we randomly picked one person and that person, of course, wins a brand new copy of the Scream trilogy box set. Now it has five movies, but it only has Scream 1, 2, and 3, and then it has two documentaries. It doesn't actually have Scream 4, unfortunately, but it's still a really cool set because it has two full feature-length documentaries about the Scream series. And so that's exciting. And I'm ordering it brand new off of Amazon. And so it'll be there, you know, once I order it, it'll be prime shipping, so it'll be there quick. All I'll need from the winner is the address on where to ship it. So without further ado, the winner of the Scream trilogy Blu-ray set is Alex D. So congratulations, Alex. You have a very long name on Twitter that I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to say it. But congratulations, you have won. So make sure you DM me your address or get it to Chris or Ash, one of us, so that way we can get you your prize shipped out. So congratulations, Alex D. You are this week's winner. Now, let's move on to our next giveaway. So... The winner this week, now again, we're going to play, I didn't have a, a, a scene picked out so for us to act, which is disappointing because I loved doing that, but um, we're going to play another clip from a film. You tell me what the film's from on Twitter at Simon1 or at Cinefessions, or you send me an email at contact at Cinefessions.com or you tell Chris or Ash, I don't care. Let one of us know what film this following clip is from. And then you'll be entered in for a chance to win Limitless on Blu-ray and Hannah on Blu-ray. So again, you'll win Limitless and Hannah. So there's that. And these are both two very cool films. So I think that's a good prize. If you can tell us what movie this following clip is from, then you have a chance to win. Feel that shimmy? Your hind legs trying to outrun your front. What do I do? Stop steering and start driving. Ain't no dead piece of metal. The car's a living, breathing thing, and she's alive. You can feel her talking to you, telling you what she wants, what she needs. All you gotta do is listen. Close your eyes and listen. Like I said, Ben Burns drove the final lap of the Vanderbilt Cup with his eyes closed. No way! No? 
Maybe you just can't hear it then. Maybe you ought to start hitting those books. No, I hear it. Oh, is that so, Mr. Burns? All right, tell me to punch it for the jump. Now? Uh. All right, excellent. So again, if you know what a movie that clip is from, just send me an email at contact at cinefessions.com or DM me on Twitter at Simon1 or at Cinefessions or at DHGFash or at Wolverine Factor. The correct answer, and then you'll be entered in for a chance to win. Limitless and Hannah, both on Blu-ray. Both are used from my collection, so they're in pristine condition, like new. In fact, both of them are new. I just opened them to get the digital copies out. So So never even been played. But anyway, all right. Moving along to the reason we are all here, and that is to review episode one of Sense8, which I have no idea what this episode's called, but it doesn't matter, so we'll just move ahead. So now Something that- weird. I couldn't even pronounce the second word. Oh, really? Okay, well, now yeah. I want to look it up. <laughs> um, so this episode and seven of the other 12 episodes this se- uh, season were directed by the Wachowskis. How do you how do you guys say that? Do you say the Wachowskis or the Wachowskis? Wachowskis. Okay, that's what we're going with. I don't care if it's right or wrong. It's now it's the Wachowskis. It's All like right, Wachowski. Yeah. <laughs> so the episode is entitled "Limbic Resonance." I don't know what limbic means, but that, there we are. All right. Uh, limbic. Uh, spell that. L i m b i c. Uh, the limbic system is your a set of brain structures located on both sides of the thalamus, right under the cerebellum. See, we are fucking chock full of useful information on today's podcast. That's exciting. Uh, Hand jobs and definitions. You're welcome. Yes. You're welcome. I mean, it makes it sense. Includes, yeah, it includes the olfactory bulb, the hippocampus, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it supports a variety of functions, including emotion, behavior, motivation, long-term memory, and olfaction. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense for what this series is about. Now, I want to give a warning, like I did at the beginning of the Scream TV series. Every time we talk about one of these episodes, from now until the series is done, there will, each episode will be filled with spoilers. We are going to talk about the episodes basically scene by scene, talking about every aspect of it. So if you have not seen the episode yet, do not continue with the podcast if you care anything about spoilers. If you don't care and don't plan on watching it, but you still want to listen to us jibber-jabber, that's totally fine by me. Um, and basically, you'll get the gist of what's going on, but it's just not going to be interesting if you're not watching the series, I'm sure. But make sure you understand that there will be major spoilers. We'll be talking about the entire episode on each of these next uh, podcasts, just like we did with the Scream TV series. So make sure you're watching Sense8. If it's... If you have a Netflix account, which, I mean, who doesn't have a Netflix account anymore? All you have to do is type in S-E-N-S-E-8 as one word, and you'll find Sense8. And it is only 12 episodes long. So, And, and just a reminder, what we're going to do is episode one on this podcast, and then episodes two and three, four and five, six and seven, eight, nine, ten and eleven over the next however many weeks that was, five weeks. And then episode 12, the finale, will have its own episode. So... Its own podcast, rather. So just keep that in mind as we move forward. 
All right. So as I mentioned, this was directed by the Wachowskis and they directed seven to 12 episodes and it was written by J. Michael Straczynski, who uh, wrote all 12 episodes. Now, of course, he's from Babylon 5, right, Ash? Mm -hmm. Yes. Have you watched Babylon 5? Uh, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I I figured as much, but I've never seen an episode. And so I didn't. I just wanted to verify that you have. It hasn't aged. Babylon 5 has not aged very well visually. I know it was produced on the cheap back in the 90s. So, it, I mean, it, effects-wise, it doesn't look good, but the storyline and the characters are amazing. So, Cool. So, I guess we'll just jump in. We'll kind of do the same thing that we did with the Scream TV series, just kind of go through and, uh, you know, stop me if you have something to say. Um, I'll ask you questions, and we'll just uh, we'll just go from there. I thought I recognized the name. I was just looking him up. I thought I recognized the name from comic books as well, and uh, it turns out... He has written a vast number of comic books. I don't think I've actually read any of these, though. Maybe The Amazing Spider-Man I've read some of. But anyway, that's I'm talking about Straczynski, obviously. But All right, so we, we had this opening scene, which is kind of a, a strange scene. The, the first thing that struck me about this was that Saeed from Lost was in it, and I was just fucking excited <laughs> because I love Saeed from Lost. And so that made me happy. I was like, ooh, maybe there'll be more people from Lost, which is like my favorite TV series of all time. But so far, he's the only one. But so that was the first thing that struck me. But this whole so I watched this episode twice, like I did with all the the Scream TV series episodes. And I picked it up the second time through. So she's uh, her name's Angelica, the girl who she wakes uh, the, the series opens up with a shot of this girl laying on this bed and what looks like an abandoned something. I I don't, you can't tell what it is. And she wakes up, she's clearly in pain. And then she sticks her hand up in the air. And then, uh, Saeed, who's, I'm not going to call him Saeed anymore. His name is Jonas. He touches her arm and says, you know, I'm here. And basically he, he says that she's giving birth in this scene. And what I get as I watched it the second time was that she's just, she's, giving birth to these powers that these eight are going to have. Is that, is that how you took it? You guys, or am I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was a very intense opening, I guess is the way I would describe it. I mean, it's clear from the opening and then, and then you go through the credits. It's clear from that moment that we are just working on a whole nother level than we were when we were watching the Scream TV series. And it, it just, I feel like I have to step up our game in order to, to uh, talk about this because it's just so much better already than the quality and the, um, you know, writing and everything that we received during the Scream TV series. So, I would agree on that yeah. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I loved the opening credits. I don't know if every episode's going to have that, but it, it just the shots of all around the world, basically all of these different places that we're going to be um, spending time in that we have these eight uh, main characters f- are that where they're from. And I love that. It's just, everything is on a global scale and these opening credits were just beautiful to look at the cinematography in this whole episode was just phenomenal. And I think it really starts with these opening credits which I don't know how much of it is, you know, just uh, pulled stock footage and how much was actually filmed by the, with, you know, the Wachowskis. Um, 
See, I ask you what you say, and then I say the opposite thing. I never called them Wachowskis in my life. <laughs> now I just say the Wachowskis. But how much was actually filmed by the Wachowskis? So let me ask this. We have that opening scene. We meet all of the eight characters, you know, very, very briefly. But then as, as the episode goes on, we get to about the 30-minute mark, and I couldn't help thinking to myself a question that I wanted to ask you. In that opening half of the episode, we'll say, were there any stories that really st- stuck out to you first, more so than any others? Any of the characters at all that stood out to you? Ash, I'll start with you. Um, the DJ chick. Uh, I, I, I will be terrible with names. Yeah, so I didn't know. I literally didn't know one name as the episode ended, even the second time through. So what I had to do was go on and do some research. And so I have every character's name. And I know where they're from, and I know what their, you know, their job is, basically, what their career is, how we recognize them thus far. And so you're talking about Riley Blue is what her name is. She's the uh, Icelandic DJ that's in London right now trying to make yeah, it first. Yeah, yeah. her stood out. Um, uh, the, the taxi driver uh, kind of stood out for me just because it was just completely different than everybody else. Talking about uh, Cathias from uh, Kenya, correct? Yep. yep. The Van Dam bus driver. Yes, <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, the the cop story kind of felt generic to me, and I I sympathized with what he was going through. But um, the two les the lesbian couple was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, no, sorry, no, they were great. They were they were a lot of fun to watch. Um, I, yeah, I would I agree know, completely. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean just in the way they interacted no, outside of the bedroom. Come on, guys. I know, I know. Uh, all um, I envision is that big drippy dildo as it pops on the floor. That was I'm amazing. Like, that was. I was like, yes, that was awesome. I was like, oh, all that pussy juice. It's so gross. <laughs> Sorry. Oh man. Um, the one I the one I think will be interesting in later episodes so that they didn't do a whole lot with was uh, Sun Bok, um, the uh, from I think she's Korean. Yeah, South Korea. Yeah, it's from South Korea. South, yeah, and the bank. Uh, she's going to be interesting, I bet. But they didn't do a whole lot with her. So yeah. What about you, Chris? Any any that stood out to you early on? Um, definitely the is our Icelandic DJ. That's a yeah, weird word to say. Riley. Yeah, it seems like she's the main female character, at least that's being established. Yeah. And then the cop just seems like the main male. Mm-hmm. I found it all hard to follow. It, I would agree with that. It was, it was, I mean, we came from just such a standard scream to, you know, watching those and evaluating those to this. It's just so different. And it was like each person is hallucinating. Mm-hmm. each other's thoughts and it's just melding and twisting and it, it's very cloud atlas which is another wachowski film mm-hmm. um which was based on a book which i haven't read but i own it just sits there <laughs> but it was about you know multiple characters different generation years and they're all blending and melding and all of that um so, so i kind of but there's fun from like this is kind of hard to follow and trying to pick up the names, picking up names was hard. They barely because, ever said them. Yeah, I think only a couple people had like names actually spoken, and then I 
just dropped it because I was like, I don't know, I can't remember that. Yeah, I mean, if but, anyone listened to us during the Scream TV series, you know, even if the names are simple, you know how fucking terrible we are with names. So, don't expect much from this from this series. Well, I don't know. I mean, they could. I mean, it could change a little if we're more involved with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I there was no story I hated. Yeah, you know, I, I, some of them were underdeveloped, like the um. Indian girl. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't know her name, but I mean, she had a she had the atypical plotline going, right? Kala. Um, but um, I do like the the Korean girl. I think because she has a weird power. Cause it seemed like she was able to project that her brother was there, and no one else has really shown powers, unless I'm totally like mental, and it was like a flashback. The two lesbian project? flashbacks was weird too. Yeah, what do you mean? No, I thought her brother. Her, I thought her brother showed up. And then yeah, I thought she was. I think she was upset that her brother showed up. That's what I got because she wanted to do the business deal or whatever the hell it was herself. Oh, because see, I took it as her projecting him there. Like oh no, I didn't take it that way. I don't know. I mean, who knows who's right? Obviously, but I, I just that's not the way I took it. Yeah, I don't know. It was. We'll find out. Yeah, uh, so I think the one that stood out. If I was, if I'm picking one, the one that stood out to me the most in the very beginning, within that first 25 minutes, had to be uh, Wolfgang, who is the uh, German uh, like safe cracker. His story is interesting to me, and the fact that he literally went to his father's grave and pissed on his father's grave that just blew me away. I've never seen that in a film. I thought uh, that did, was bold did we see and awesome. Wang? No. Cause, okay, because it looked for one second, but kind of looked like a thumb too, and I'm like, I can't tell. Oh, I guess I wasn't looking as closely as you may have been, but <laughs> I didn't see any. Well, I had just watched the Inbetweeners two movie, and it has this funny pee scene, and it showed penis. Oh, gotcha. But it was, it was funny because they're stranded in the desert and they're mm-hmm. thirsty, and the one's like, "Just give it to me," and he tries to, and nothing <laughs> comes out. And as soon as the other guy closes his mouth, he just unleashes all this pee all over his face. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> it was funny, and it kind of made me think of that. That's where my mind is. Pee and <laughs> exactly. So after that opening scene where we briefly meet the characters, we jump into Will. He's you know he's having this nightmare of him when he was a kid. And uh, then he he wakes up from it, which I, I would agree that his story is kind of the most generic. He has, you know, there's something that happened in his past that he's trying to fight. And his dad was a cop and he was uh, had runnings with the law when he was younger as to rebel against his father's, you know, being a police officer. And now he's, you know, a cop himself. So I could see how that, you know, is kind of the most generic of the bunch. But uh, I do like the actor. I think he's he's great. Brian J. Smith is who plays Will. And uh, I think he's he's excellent in the role thus far. So I'm interested to see where that goes. But uh, I, I love that opening scene, how he's hearing the music playing in the room next to him. And he knocks on the door. No one answers. Knocks on the door. Say it's the cops. And then he busts in. And it's just an empty room. I thought that really set the stage for what we were about to see for the rest of this most likely series. But at least this episode. Because then as the music there's no music in the room, but then we hear the music, the same exact music again, and it picks up to Riley working in the DJ or working as a DJ in the nightclub. Um, and so I thought that was just a really cool transition. I kind of was hoping that they did that for every single character introduction because we were starting to 
not just see the characters, but learn who the characters were. I thought it had been really cool if it had that one seed that kind of connected all of them as we got introduced to all eight characters, but they kind of dropped it after that. Um, I still think they did a good job, and there were some that were connected, uh, but I thought it would have been really neat if they all all did that. So um, After Riley's done working, she goes up on the roof and has the group of three, which I, I don't know almost any of the like supporting characters' names at all, um, but I do know Nix. Nix is the guy who clearly has some infatuation with Riley. Um, he's the one who, uh, you know, her, I don't know if it's her boyfriend, but I'm going to call him the boyfriend. He's like, she's pretty good for a girl. And he's like, she's pretty good period. Um, you can tell that there's something there between him and her, at least on his side of things. Um, and his name is Nix. And so, um, you know, they're talking and then we pull up the next scene is, uh, Lito Rodriguez is his name. And he's the actor from, uh, he's in Mexico city. And I thought that was a really, I just thought that was a really cool scene. Like I genuinely, I, I mean, I had no idea it was a, a, they were filming something. And I thought that was a really cool twist because he's like walking up behind him and says, I'm gonna blow your fucking brains out. And then the guy's like, what are we going off script here? I thought that was really funny. Yeah. I did like that lead up. I was like, Oh, he's going to blow away the priest. Right. <laughs> exactly. I completely forgot about that entire character. Yeah, and doesn't he just have like that one moment and then the scene inside of his trailer? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just dropped. <laughs> Which I I think I read something on Wikipedia that spoiled something for me, so I know something about his character that I'm not going to bring up because it hasn't been introduced yet. But um, I, 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 I he think has his... a big penis. I mean, I was impressed <laughs> ball. It was like shooting right <laughs> through the whatever that was in the trailer. She was like, "Sir, yes, sir. May may I service that for you?" <laughs> He's like, "No." Right. Um, so from there, uh, we go to uh, Sun. Um, she's trying to take that meeting that we were talking about earlier. Um, and then her brother comes in and she has this, this vision of Angelica. And then um, she snaps out of it and her brother says, you know, go get his coffees. And that's why, to me, that's why she was upset. I think that's kind of a a seed to what is going to be her character is that she wants more control, more power in this company that her brother is clearly, you know, uh, taking ownership in. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's something that'll be uh, brought up there. But so we shoot back to Riley. She's with uh, the the three guys and um, the one dude's talking about how he, he tells a story about how his like nieces or in nephews or something, Something happened to their mom, and they came and hugged him. I don't. It was a weird story, but just they're just bullshitting basically. And it comes. The point is that Nix has this theory about uh, this molecule. I think he says or something that people can take and they can see their birth and their death and, and yada yada yada. Um, uh, he's talking about a drug, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. So the next scene we have. Um, I don't know if you say it, Kala. The, it's the the Indian girl from Mumbai. Um, she is introduced for the first time, and she's trying to find this umbrella. We hear it raining. We hear it thunder. Um, and she's like, you know, Dad, where's an umbrella? And he says, you don't need an umbrella. And she's like, oh, come on. Don't waste my time. I'm trying to get to um, all this exposition. I'm trying to get to – you know how important work. my work is. I'm trying to get to work. And, um, you know, I, I got a college education to, for my work, and it's so important to me. 
And then he's like, it's not raining. Like, what are you talking about? And she looks out and she's like, oh, but I heard it. And so that's a good connection with uh, what happens next. Um, oh, we also find out that she's getting married in that scene. But it's a good link, much like the sound link earlier with the DJ playing the music. We get the storm and then the, uh, we hear the storm. She hears the storm, but it's not storming. And then we hear the storm again and it turns to the funeral scene, which um, the cinematography at the funeral I thought was fantastic. Yes. The, yeah, the rain and then just all the black umbrellas. And then like the sun was still shining, even though it was raining. Um, I don't, it was just, a, it was beautifully shot and I thought it was, it was fantastic. Um, so, uh, what's his name? Wolfgang, he, 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 he takes some pills and he complains about having a migraine later on. Um, and, uh, so the cemetery is w- walking this, this group of people who are at the, the funeral, walking this casket down the road and this man, uh, with the tattoo on his head, which is obviously important because the shot lingers on the tattoo on the back of his head. And then kind of moves along as he moves and he's talking about how, you know, you guys are just so, uh, you know, minuscule criminals basically and how his next hit, he calls them petty thieves. And then he brags that his next score is going to be legendary and it just makes their penises shrivel up. <laughs> and so, uh, and then Wolfgang's friend, whose name I, I never picked up, but he says that he's not sure what will give him more pleasure, the money you're seeing his face, which will obviously lead to something that happens later on in the episode. So then we um, meet uh, the character of um, uh, Caffius, who is from Kenya, who drives the Van Dam bus, and he's helping his mother, or uh, you know, like, treating his mother, basically. And then he leaves to go to work, and he comes out, and he says a line from Lionheart. And then he looks up, and we see for the first time the Van Damme, which I thought was pretty awesome. And it has, you know, murals of John, Jean-Claude Van Damme all over the side of it and everything. I thought that was pretty cool. Did you guys know the line when he said it? Did you know what it was from? No, I'll be honest. I haven't, I've only seen that movie like one time. Yeah, I had to look it up. I was like, I guarantee you that's something. After I saw the van, I was like, I guarantee you that has to be a Van Damme quote. But I didn't know what it was, so I had to look it up. But I chuckled after I read it. I was like, ah, very cool. All right. And then we get to my favorite of the opening scenes, the San Francisco scene. So we meet uh, Nomi and uh, her girlfriend, Amanita, uh, Amanita. I don't, I think Amanita. Amanita. Okay. And uh, they're having sex and, you know, then they finish and we already talked about the, we already talked about the dildo. I just love that shot. But, uh, and then Amanita gets a text, a text that she gets to work a charity event and, uh, we also find out that it's a uh, gay pride. Is it, is it a week? Is it a day? Is it a weekend? It's typically a weekend. Okay. So it's pride weekend or whatever. So, um, that's what we find out through them. So basically we're just meeting all these characters. So this part's a little tedious because, you know, we don't know anybody, so we can't talk too much about them. We're just getting to know who they are. Um, now we go back to Lido, who's the actor. He's going over all his lines in the in the mirror and uh, staring way too much into the mirror is what I wrote. And this then, whole um, scene is weird. Yeah, because he's like getting horny by like watching himself or something. No, he, uh, my theory is uh, he's tapped into the lesbian couple and what they were feeling. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, so while other like people, that. yeah. So while other people got you know sights, sounds, 
mm-hmm. he's getting horny off of the, the lesbian couple having had sex. And he doesn't know why, and he doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, that could, that's probably it. You just it. blew my mind. Me too. So I'm like, why is he dry humping all this stuff? <laughs> I, I was all confused. It was really funny. Uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, that makes perfect. That's a, that's a great explanation of it. I can definitely see that. Um, and so then the girl playing the nun walks in and she sees his, you know, hard on through his pants and says, oh, maybe there's something I can help you with. And so she tries sticking her hand down his pants and then he's like, oh, stop. Uh, you know, I, there's nothing I want more, but my heart belongs to another. And she's like, oh, she must be a lucky woman. And she leaves and he's kind of just like standing there. And then we don't see him again for the rest of the episode, which I thought was really strange because I think his story is is very interesting. And I definitely want to know more about him. But we don't get to see him again for the rest of the episode. So we'll probably, you know, obviously there's 12 more episodes to go. So we have a lot to or 11 more episodes to go. So um, then we get back to Berlin and we're back at the funeral. The um, deceased relatives give uh, you know Wolfgang hugs and they tell him, you know, oh, you need to go see your father. Go say hi to him. And that's when he walks over and he pisses on his father's grave. I mean, wow. What better way to tell an audience that this character does not like his father than by having him literally stand and piss on his grave? I don't know. That was one of my favorite scenes in this because it just it told so much with absolutely zero dialogue. And it was, yeah. I mean, that's fucking filmmaking. That's, you know, even though we're not watching a film, but that's, you know, that's how it's done. That's just, it's great. It reminded me of, um, in Chris Point Blank, uh, Martin goes to his dad's grave and he goes with a full bottle of whiskey, I think. Okay. Just pops the cap on the whiskey, pours the bottle all over the grave and then just drops it right there. And it's like, yep. <laughs> wow. Hmm. So we are back in Kenya and Kafias' co-workers trying to get people onto the bus. Um, and basically we see that the competition, which is Bat Van, is taking all the customers. And so, you know, Kafias is like, oh, maybe we should just hang it up, basically. And he's like, no, no, you know, we'll, we'll, he, he tries inspiring him by talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme, which I just thought was hilarious. And then another customer pops up. And he's like, see, uh, Van Damme is looking down on us or something. Van Damme sending his graces to us or something. It was just hilarious. I really like those two in terms of uh, their you know, comedic relationship. I enjoy them. Um, but this guy's trying to pay with a chicken. And the friend's like, what's going on with a chicken? And then that po- connects to the next scene with Sun. She sees a chicken appear in her desk. She shrieks. And then the, the, you know, the vision goes away and she gets a phone call. And I think that's like the last time we see Sun throughout the episode then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we get uh, Riley. Um, she sees Angelica at the top of a set of stairs. Um, but then Angelica disappears and she heads out. And then her boyfriend is trying to get the, trying to get her to go with them to Nix's house because he wants to, you know, try this drug that he has or whatever it is. Um, and then she has a vision. And so this is when things started getting real, you know, connected. She has this vision that she's in San Francisco with um, Amanita. What, how do you say it, Ash? Amanita. Amanita. That she's in San Francisco with Amanita. And uh, she kind of stays there for a little bit. And she's, you know, Amanita's looking at her. And we're seeing Riley. But then eventually the camera keeps spinning around. And then eventually we see um, Mina, Mona. Nope. No. Thank you. We see Nomi there, and so 
they're talking and they're kind of reminiscing about their first pride together and how high they were, you know. And we find out at this point during one of these flashbacks that Nomi is actually a transgender blogger and uh, she upset one of uh, one of um, Amanita's friends by uh, making a post saying that they should get rid of the LGBT label. And so that's what we find. We find out a little bit more about her background. Um, and then we switch over. We have Kayla. Uh, she's or Kayla. No, Kala. She's visiting a church. I, I honestly, I don't know what it's called uh, in that religion. Um, Hindu temple. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm guessing. I'm yeah. Probably. And she's, she's talking to the statue who is obviously a representation of, you know, whatever their God is. I don't know anything about religion. I don't want to offend anybody, but I know nothing of religion. So excuse my ignorance. Um, and so basically what we find out here is that she works in a pharmacy. She's university educated. She, the man she's marrying is perfect according to everything and everybody. And the only problem is she doesn't love him. And so there's that. Oh, you know what? One thing I forgot to mention. The only like the acting in this is is excellent. It is you know superb. The only awkward moment I really found in the entire episode was that moment when um, Amanita and uh, Nomi are reminiscing, and they have that flashback, and. Nomi walks away from the girl who, you know, calls the, she's like, I know you're the transgender blogger who thinks she can get rid of the LGBT. And, you know, they kind of get into a little fight and she walks away and starts crying. And, and Amanita is like, you know, why are you crying? You never let people like that get, get to you. And she's like, I'm not crying because of her. I'm crying because no one's ever defended me before. And she starts crying. I just, I thought that moment was the only moment where it was just like, I don't know if it was poor acting or just the script was too corny. I don't know what it was, but I didn't like that. Did that stick out for you guys at all or no? Mm, not really for me. No. I don't know what it was about it, but Bridget was watching it the second time and I mentioned and she was like, she agreed with me. She said that, yeah, that stuck out to her too. So I don't know. Maybe it was just uh, something I noticed. But. No, I, 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 it could be considered as awkward, but I, I think it fit that moment to me but okay i think they could have played it in a different way and it would have worked also but i don't know yeah it works for me okay fair enough uh then we get wolfgang um and his friends making a key and he's telling the story about uh, wolfgang's dad and how the people at the funeral were saying that the only reason wolfgang's dad got caught because he apparently he was a safe cracker as well. The only reason he got caught was because he was obsessed with cracking an S and D safe, which is the brand of safe is S and D. And so obviously that's going to come into play later. Um, and then we get back to Amanita, uh, Amanita dressed in a uh, sexy outfit. She's collecting donations and nobody's talking with one of her friends. And um, the guy's talking about his upcoming show and how he doesn't know how it's going to be perceived because it's depressing. And, you know, during pride week, they weren't happy. Um, and so uh, this transitions over to the actual show, which I thought was just a really beautiful and moving few moments um, with like the narrator speaking over um, the interpretive dancers. And obviously it's a throwback to um, like they mentioned, um, you know, d d pride during the 80s and how he said, yeah, one of the, the characters says, yeah, it's at that point. It was basically just uh, pride was just a funeral march. And so obviously talking about the AIDS epidemic. And so I thought that was, that was really interesting. And I really enjoyed uh, what they were doing with that moment. I thought it was really well done. 
did that stick out for you guys at all or I I'm not kind of Oop, hang on one I, I didn't hear either of you so we'll start with Ash. Um it that whole I and I I appreciated what the narrator was saying but it was just it that felt really off to me. I don't I don't appreciate interpretive dance either though. Yeah. I just think it looks weird, so it, it doesn't do anything for me. Okay. So that scene just kind of fell flat for me. I mean, I could kind of see what they were what they were trying to do with it, mm. but it just kind of I was like, okay, move along. <laughs> like, but I mean, I could understand what they're trying to do with it. It just didn't work for me. Okay. And what what were you saying, Chris? Um, I agree with Ash. It just it it doesn't work. And considering that San Francisco's you know that kind of area. And that it would be, because they make it sound like it's some like high profile, like performance, like it's something that people are going to be excited about. Mm-hmm. And it was, it felt like an elementary or high school rendition. Like it didn't feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I think what I liked most about it was the narrator. The narr- I thought the acting done by the narrator was stellar. And I think that's what sold it for me. That's why I liked it so much. Yeah, I, I like the narrator. He just, yeah. yeah, it was just the rest of it that they went along with. It didn't work for me. Yeah. yeah, the dance didn't really go with what was. Okay, so for the whole episode, and I don't know why Netflix is this way, but it like seventy five percent of the time it's off. It's not in sync, so like my sound is mm. like half a second delayed. That's annoying. See, I, like, it takes, I don't either. It takes like three reboots. Of the PS4 to make it work. I don't know. It's weird. Hmm. But I mean, it used to do it before I moved here, so it's it's not like the internet or anything like that. I I don't know why it does that. Yeah. But I, if I just reboot the whole thing, load up like Amazon first, and then load up Netflix, it corrects itself. But anyways, it the, the dance didn't seem to go with what was being said. It it seemed really weird and. <laughs> And that's not that's not your Netflix delay. That <laughs> just did not match with what he was saying. I think that was my biggest issue with it. It just didn't work. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could see the the dancing was the probably my least favorite aspect of it. But I just I was I guess mesmerized by the um, narrator more so than anything. Okay, so we move on to the next scene. We get um, Will is, uh, we're back in Chicago, and Will's talking to his partner about this vision or this dream that he had. And he says, you know, he didn't, it was so real to him, he could smell whatever, burning mattress or something. And it didn't feel like a dream. He thought it was, you know, it felt real. And so then they go on the road, and we find out more of this kind of generic backstory that um, something happened. The gangbangers, quote unquote, did something to Will's dad. And uh, then they get a call that shots have been fired. And then we, uh, Trish and over, we have Wolfgang and his partner trying to break into this building, which they don't even break in. They just open the door with a key that was made earlier. Um, and they head up safe. And then the camera zooms in and turns out that it's what kind of safe? An S&D safe. Of course it is. So Wolfgang is going to attempt to do what his father never could and break into an S&D safe. Um, so the transition over to Chicago the cops are coming up on the shooting and then Wolfgang uh, he starts hearing I thought this was I thought this was awesome um, so obviously the cops are coming up on the shooting and so they have their sirens on and Wolfgang's trying to listen through his stethoscope to the clicks in the crack and the safe to crack it open and he starts hearing the sirens of the cop cars 
And then he, you know, pulls this I'm out of his ears. And Seth's go out of his ears and said, did you hear that? And obviously his partner didn't hear anything. I thought that was really cool. And then even better from there, then we get Riley listening to her music. Not only does she hear the sirens, but she also hears the clicks of Wolfgang's uh, safe cracking. And so she mm-hmm. hears both of these things. I thought that was really cool. And she gets up to look what the hell is going on, but she doesn't see anything. And I thought, I don't know, I don't know what it was, but I just thought that little three scene transition there was, was awesome. And it, uh, it really takes this idea that they've established from the very beginning and just, you know, went tenfold with it. I really liked it, even though it was a, you know, kind of a small moment. Nothing really happens, you know, with Riley at that time, but I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. This, this whole episode is a whole lot of setup, but it's important setup, I think Mm -hmm. for a lot of it. Yeah. And that's why, you know, most of this is just me talking, but that's just the way it's got to, you know, it's going to be as we talk through this episode, you know, but we're, we're getting close to the end here anyway. So we'll just keep going at this point. Um, so we're back in Chicago. Uh, the cops go into the building and Will finds this teenager who's been shot. And I thought, and then the teenager pulls the gun out on Will. And I just couldn't help thinking to myself that that fucking teenager would be dead because if he pulls his gun out at the cop. Why doesn't the cop shoot? Like, I don't know. I guess it's just the world we live in now. I'm just expecting cops to shoot at anything. But um, so he pulls his gun out and then, you know, drops it and says, help me. And so I thought this was really weird because Will's trying to get his partner to call the ambulance. And he's like, no, the ambulance isn't going to come here. And even if they do, it's not going to be in time. And so he's like, well, what do you want me to do? Just leave him here to die? And he's like, well, that's what he would do if it was you or me. And so his partner essentially just wants to let this teenage boy bleed out and die on the scene. I just, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that was really strange to me. And so then eventually, you know, Will convinces him to take him to the hospital. And so they're, you know, go to take the boy to the hospital in his cop car. And then we're back at Wolfgang who's trying to crush, crack the safe. But he gets frustrated and, you know, he just says, you know, I need a break. And he sits down and he per- turns on some European singing competition. And he says that it relaxes him, which I thought that was really funny. Uh, and his partner's just like, "What? What are you doing? Like, I told you we have less than an hour, and you're gonna watch. You're gonna watch this." Uh, and so, Will and his partner are driving to the hospital, and um, that's when we find out that you know uh, Will has spent some time in the back of a cop car when he was younger because his dad was a cop and he was trying to rebel against them or whatever. Um, and then. And then we learn a little bit about Wolfgang's past with his father. Um, he comments about how great this the singer is in this competition, this female singer. And his partner's like, yeah, she's good, but she's not going to win because her eyes are too close together. And she looks like a camel. Camels never win. <laughs> Which I thought was just an awesome line. Um, and so then uh, Will has this flashback from when he was younger. And he's kind of on stage getting ready to sing. And then he freezes. And his dad walks in and his dad sees him on stage that he's frozen and starts laughing at him. And so I thought that was a a really odd moment and obviously something to that they'll build on as we go further. And one of the reasons that he pissed on his grave. But um, so, yeah, I did like that flashback mm -hmm. because it it just lent lent complete credence to him pissing on the grave. Really, because if if. That moment is indicative of Wolfgang's upbringing by his dad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Another, I mean, it's just so good. Another moment that tells so much with so little dialogue. And it's just, it's how it's done. It's excellent. 
And so then um, we go back to Wolfgang and, you know, he, he's trying to get the um, safe back open again. Um, uh, and then we, we see the cops. They get to the hospital and he runs in and says, you know, help, help. We got a shooting victim. And the nurse comes up and she says, that's a shooting victim. He's like, yeah. And she says, we don't take shooting victims. You got to take them to in an ambulance down to another hospital. And he's like, well, if we do that, he's going to die. And, and, and she says, um, what the hell did she say? She says something pretty brutal, I thought. Um, she said they've been a better hospital since they've stopped taking kids like him. I, is that how Chicago is? <laughs> like, I don't know. Pieces of shit all over the place? Because I've been to Chicago and it didn't seem that bad. I don't know. Yeah, but you weren't in the, the shady parts getting shot. Right, exactly. Either, so. Yeah, so... Um, but then, you know, Will says, you know, please help me. And so then we get back to Wolfgang and his partner's alarm goes off, which means that it's time to leave. And they, we see a car pull up and people are getting out and, you know, it builds up the tension really well. And he's trying to get him to leave, trying to get him to leave. But Wolfgang doesn't want to leave. You know, he's close to getting it. You can tell. And then all of a sudden he gets it. The lock opens and he open it and there's loads of these giant diamonds, which is obviously the score they were after. And so they pull them out and they leave. They pull the device off the security alarm in the basement and then exit. And and as they exit, who walks in but the guy with the tattoo on the back of his head? And I thought that was just awesome. I didn't expect it, which I guess I should have, but I didn't expect that at all. And I thought that was really cool. And obviously, it was clear at that moment why the camera stayed on the back of the guy's head earlier because we needed to know that this man with this you know very specific tattoo – and unique tattoo was the same guy who was going to be later in the episode. And so obviously what happened is Wolfgang and his partner decided, you know, they knew about this, I don't know, the tattoo guy's um, plan. And they just did it before him. And so because that guy comes in and he cuts the wire on the on the alarm and then heads up to the safe to try to, tr- uh, assuming or presumably to try to crack it. Did you well, guys- not just crack it, but he was going in with a... Uh, Wolfgang's method's actually better because no one would know that the safe has been robbed, whereas the other guy was going in with like a blowtorch kit and <laughs> welder shit and all this other stuff mm-hmm. to get into the safe. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. But yeah. That that I did like that moment. That moment was great. I just I love the 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 setup for that. Mm-hmm. Chris, did you expect that at all? Did you expect that partner that that's what they were doing? No, not really. But I kind of like. Doze, I didn't doze off, but I yeah. kind of like checked out around this point. I was like, uh, "Really? Uh, yeah, I don't know." There was okay. a good, good little bit where I was like, "I'll just look at my phone because it's going to be more interesting than what's happening right this moment." Man, I don't know. I was engaged. And I, I was enthralled. Like I was very into what was happening on screen. I don't know. It just because I don't really like that character that much i think that's probably my least favorite out of all of them oh okay and i think he's probably my favorite so like he, he just seems kind of typical yeah out of the well, out of the characters they've got the uh, will and wolfgang are probably the most prototypical that we've seen the most in movies and tv anyway yeah i could see that yeah and for me, I couldn't get over the whole Heroes vibe. Like, the whole show just screams Heroes. Oh, like I said, I've never seen an episode of Heroes, so it didn't affect what? me at all. I haven't either. And I have what? no interest. I, 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 I'm divorcing both of you. <laughs> <laughs> this is over. How could you... Just watch the first season. Meh. Because it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And then, 
and then it falls apart in the second season, and then they they they're rebooting it. So why bother? What's the point? Well, the third exactly. season was pretty good. The second season, you know, that writer strike happened. Yeah, and it pretty much did like every TV show in. Right. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have an intro. I'll, I'll watch Sense Eight instead. God, and you get to see the cheerleader chick who's on Nashville now. Hayden Pantier. Yeah, she's in it. Orange yeah. little cheerleader outfit. She's not in the new season because apparently they killed her off. Oh. Between season three and the reboot. Interesting. Which isn't a full reboot. It's a it's a sequel, but it takes place like three years later. Hmm. But yeah, they're like, oh, we kill her off. <laughs> Thanks, Entertainment Weekly. Love you. You're the best magazine we get for free. <laughs> Uh, all right, so we'll get to the end of this episode here. So the the cops at the hospital and the nurse comes in and he you know he tells the nurse tells him that the boy's gonna make it and then she asks him she goes, so now how would you feel if this boy who's gonna survive goes out and kills someone say a cop, how would you live with that? And I it's just like man talk about negativity. Well, and as my wife pointed out, uh, you know. Like right after, I mean, like a beat after the nurse said that line, she's like, "Yeah, and what if he goes out and saves some cop because of it, right. or somebody else?" Right. <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, exactly." Yeah, you don't know. You... It's just like, I, I, and I'm surprised that you know Will didn't respond with something along those lines. You know what I mean? It just seemed like a, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, just such a negative look on the hospital and, and police system. Of Chicago, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I guess if that's if that's something that will build as the series goes on. Well, I, did Chicago overtake? I know New York City dropped as the biggest murder capital in the world. Did Chicago pick up that mantle? Maybe that's where that is. Is it? No, I can't it, imagine. Um, most murders city. I didn't realize New York. I mean, Detroit's up there. Uh, the cities by murder rates. I didn't realize New York wasn't any like the number one anymore. No, yeah, New York dropped quite a bit. Uh, well, I guess they never. Well, I know like, um, in North Carolina, what is the bad? St. Louis actually. St. Louis, Detroit, New Orleans. Detroit. What? What? Uh, Baltimore. Yeah, they're okay. they, they're in the top fifty. But yeah, so Chicago's not even on that list. But yeah, St. Louis, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> guess it doesn't surprise me anymore. Just with everything that's gone on, you know, I'm sure that helped. At, well, I guess I don't know when that survey was done, you know, or when those stats were taken from. But I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of killing with all the rioting and everything going on. Just a lot of uh, tension stemming from the racial tension. So Interesting. So the final two scenes here, we have uh, Riley. She's at, um, you know, Riley and her crew, as I'll call them, her boyfriend and their friend. And they're at Nix's house. And the two guys get high. And then um, Riley's just listening to her music, which I thought was so beautiful. The way they did that, it was just so awesome with the music. And uh, the song she was listening to was just perfect for the for the moment. And then he, you know, Nix goes up and asks if he can take the headphones off. She says yes. And then the music stops, which I mean, like we've seen before a lot of times. But I just thought it was, I don't know, something about it I really liked in that moment. I think it was just the song choice and everything else. It just worked so perfectly together. So, so 
basically Nyx convince, convinces her to try this drug that is supposed to make her feel like she's alive again. And so she does. And that's when she just goes balls out visions, right? Or hallucinations, whatever you want to call them. She starts having very lucid visions. And so she appears in Chicago and it looks like Will sees her as he gets into the car. And, you know, we can see her reflection on the glass, but he doesn't say anything to her. But then we look in the car and she's sitting in the car. And later on, she's in the car. Later on, we see him. We see her. It's kind of flipping back and forth. So, I mean, that's, you know, one of those things I could definitely see as being confusing. Um, And so Will and his partner go off driving and uh, Will just all of a sudden to stop the car. And, you know, he gets out and he's like, or he, they stop and he's like, you know, this is where she killed herself. And it's kind of both Riley and Will at the same time. But obviously the partner sees, sees Will. And so the cops head into this building and it's where the episode started. It's where Angelica was, you know, quote unquote, giving birth. And so Will remembers this from his vision earlier in the episode. And, you know, that's when he says like, you know, I've been here like this is this is it. And the partner's like, you know, you know, you haven't like you haven't been here like this silly. And I, what his line something like of all the partners in the world, I get the Mulder wannabe. <laughs> I love that X-Files reference. That was awesome. Did you guys catch that? Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, and so. Will's trying to prove that, you know, this was the, this is where he was. And he's like, you know, I've never been here before, but look at, I know that there's drugs in this tin and he pulls out the tin and there's drugs in it. He's like, and I know there's a gun here. And he's like, well, that doesn't prove anything. So you're just being stupid. I'm going off to the car. So then he leaves and Will starts looking around a little bit on the mattress and then up behind him pops Riley. And so we have Will and Riley standing on two different planes and staring at, looking at each other and talking to each other. And at first Will thinks that, you know, it's, just a, a a person standing there. He's like, you know, where are you from? And that's what she says. You know, I'm I'm from London. And he's she's like, but where am I? And he says Chicago. And she's like America. And she's all real excited. And then they're kind of like looking at each other. And then all of a sudden, she turns her head and and looks the other direction. And then she's like, what are you doing? And then all of a sudden, we get into this shootout. And so they kind of have like some visions back and forth for a quick second. But then there's the shootout. Um, you know, Nick's is being held hostage by her boyfriend and her boyfriend's partner. or I don't really think it's her boyfriend, but whatever the guy is that's trying to fuck her, basically. And we find out that they were, you know, uh, tracking a a drug shipment and that they know what came in, and so they're robbing him for his drugs. But then there's a fourth guy who has a shotgun. Um, Eventually, he shoots her boyfriend in the leg, and then bullets fly everywhere, and virtually all the guys are dead. Riley's standing there with blood on her face in, you know, kind of like freaking out, like what the fuck is going on? And then the episode ends. I thought it was a really powerful ending, very brutal ending in just its quickness of it. It just felt so realistic. Obviously, I've never been in a, you know, a gunfight, but it just, it felt like that's what it would be like if I were in a gunfight. It was just quick brutal um you know and just you know what's the word i'm uh final you know just complete yeah i i would agree that i i think it fit the opening too it was just Mm -hmm. as intense right all right it was good it got my attention like back it pulled me back and like 
the whole cop story and the the safe thing, I was just like, I don't care. Mm -hmm. Like it just, and then you know, once once she started freebasing, I'm like, yeah, drugs. (laughs) Then I got back into it, but yeah, no, it was good. Okay, so I almost wanted to start like the next episode. I was like, I could just wait these 10 seconds and it'll just automatically start. Right, but we don't do that because that's cheating. <laughs> sure, next Mr. week you'll be able to do that. You'll be able to watch two and three. But All right, so um, overall thoughts on this episode, Chris? Uh, it was good. It was, it's, I mean, after suffering through Scream, I mean, anything's <laughs> good. I mean, again, I could do without the wet dildo. I mean, it was extra moist and juicy. No, you cannot do without the wet dildo. That was <laughs> ridiculous. Realism. Exactly. <laughs> she threw that thing and that shit was flying. I know, it was, it was like, awesome. She was just, I'm like, oh. Love it. It was so funny. Was Part like, of me wishes they focused on fewer characters and kind of just, so. I mean, obviously they couldn't because of the opening and just having to, throw everyone in the mix right but it was just so much and so difficult to take everything in yeah i'm interested if they'll kind of do that in the you know up like in the next episodes like maybe you'll get two or three people each episode but well, I, i'm gonna I assume like they, they all meet up yeah that would that would be my well, assumption yeah i don't think they necessarily meet up but well they meet up just not in the way we think of meet uh, up. right not physically maybe yeah mm. all right and ash overall thoughts um oh hell yes above and beyond and, and, and we got more in the first half hour with character development than we did in 10 episodes of stream <laughs> exactly right amen um but yeah no it it's fantastic I, I it was felt a little overlong but i watched it late at night one night uh not realizing that it was well over an hour um mm-hmm. but no i thought it was fantastic yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I literally had no idea what the hell we were getting into heading into this. And I was just blown away. I loved this episode. Um, it feels so very Wachowski-esque, I guess I would say, um, just from you know what I know of them. I haven't, I'm not entirely caught up on their filmography, but obviously I know the Matrix trilogy pretty well. And it just felt so, just so much better than so many TV series I've seen. It just felt like a film and it's in, you know, cut it, it. I'm wondering if it's going to continue to feel like that. You know what I mean? Just a film cut up into 12 different segments. Um, but I am, I'm very excited to continue on in the series. I think it's really well done. And um, I think the only thing I, I would have liked to see more of in this episode, which I don't know how you could have done that with everything we've got. Like you said, it was, over overwhelming almost you know because there was so much information they were throwing at you but i really wanted more alito um the actor from mexico i thought because his story was so interesting and kind of humorous i wanted to know what was going on there a little bit more but i'm sure we'll get more of that as we continue forward um the only character that i don't really care about so far is son the uh the businesswoman from south korea i just it might be something that there's just not enough there yet but I don't know if I'm really going I, I don't feel like I'm really gonna connect with that story. That's kind of my thought right now. Um, but we'll see if that changes as we go forward. I have to say one thing I didn't like the whole episode is everyone just speaks English. <laughs> I made note of that at the beginning. I was like, 
you know, I thought it was obviously a, a specific choice that everyone is going to speak English. Right. But it may have been better with subtitles. I don't know. You know, I, I've it'd been interesting to see with subtitles too. Like it, it just seemed, it just, it seemed off at first. I was like, yeah. this is weird mm-hmm. that we're all over the place and we're all speaking English. Yeah, that's the I, only thing that kind of neutered the global feel of it. The one thing I did like about it is, um, I know this is like a big keyword in the media and everything else, but this is when I think of a diverse cast. Yeah, this is it, and right. each character feels like they're from that area and from that part of the world, as opposed to what we would normally get. And that I like. We're seeing other things, like the the two the two characters that we are least interested in really are the people that we see is the cop and the criminal because we see those all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It just I I liked I like that we're getting kind of like a more like you said a more global view on all of this. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I that, that's a great point. Every area that we visited felt unique and different. And I thought that was awesome. I don't know where this was filmed, but they did a damn good job of making me feel like they were filming in Kenya, South Korea, San Francisco, India, you know, all these they different places. May have actually with me. with the budget that's probably that's clearly, you know, given Yeah, to they this. filmed in Kenya, they filmed in okay. Iceland, India, Germany, Mexico, Korea, Chicago. That, sh- that shot in Iceland and uh, San Francisco. The end. That's yeah. awesome. So they filmed in all these different locations. Um, that shot toward the end, which was I imagine was in Iceland because it was um, Riley's when she was like a baby of the ocean and the mountains. And it was just like this gray shot, man. And she kind of walks into this cave like looking area. Oh, God. Yeah. So damn beautiful. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. So this is actually filmed on location. No wonder it has a movie quality. to Exactly. It. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely. That's awesome. So yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see where this goes. This should be a fun series, um, and everything you know that you guys have told me uh, about it, just in terms of uh, reaction from other viewers, has me really interested to see where this goes. So, and it got renewed. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. They just announced season two recently, so we don't have to do anything with uh, ratings in this case because it's a Netflix original series. So I don't have any way of tracking it. So <laughs> I don't. Know. Oh whoa, okay, that's interesting. What? Um, a uh, bit of trivia off IMDb page. Instead okay. of hiring directors to film individual episodes, the producers hired directors to film the individual locations. Uh, the Wachowskis directed all the scenes set in Chicago, San Francisco, London, and Iceland. James McTeague directed all the scenes set in Mexico City and Mumbai. Uh, Dan Glass directed all the scenes set in Seoul. And Tom Tykwer, uh, who had co-directed Cloud Atlas with the Wachowskis, directed all the scenes set in Berlin and Nairobi. That's fascinating. I guess that allows it to be more coherent and right. each each character feeling true to itself. Exactly, of. yeah. Uh, and I think what's also interesting is all the directors that are involved in this are all not related, you know, actually related, but they are part of uh, Wachowski's, like, uh, film, I don't know, crew, basically. Mm-hmm. And so it's very much a Wachowski production, which I, I think is is already showing itself. Awesome. Any other final thoughts at all before we uh, sign off for the evening? Nope, I don't think so. Okay. Excellent. So, Alex D., 
make sure you give us your mailing information so we can ship you out the Scream Trilogy Blu-ray set that you won. So congratulations again on that. And so remember, next week we will be recording um, a podcast that is talking about both episodes two and three, which I'm looking at the time now. (laughs) That could be a really long episode. So (laughs) we'll see how it goes and then kind of make adjustments as we have to go along. But um, hopefully it won't be too terribly long for you guys. So yeah, so episode two and three next week. So if you're following along with us, which I hope you are, uh, make sure you watch episode two and episode three and, uh, you know, stick to the rules. Don't jump forward because then... (laughs) It just is kind of silly to talk about, you know, if there's uh, spoilers and everything. It's just whatever. It's not going to be nearly as fun. So, yeah, excellent. I'm happy that we uh, are back. You know, I enjoyed my week off, but I, I love this. And so this is uh, I'm glad we're able to get back in it without without missing a beat. All right. So, um, yeah, thanks, guys, for uh, making the time again tonight. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. And we will catch you next time. Yeah.